uh, but then I even got to the point where I was charging $700 for like Welcome to today's episode of the Leverage Podcast by Juan Mai Hernandez. This is your place to learn about my lessons, my mistakes as I go from building my business from $0 to 100,000. That's currently the journey that I'm on. Really quickly because we have a long episode today. In this episode, uh, you're going to hear about my recording of the of a presentation that I gave very recently. Um, so I hope you enjoyed it. And, and as always, if you find this helpful, give it a rating and share it with another undocumented aspiring entrepreneur. Well, thank you so much, Jose, for the quick introduction and thank you so much for, for the support. And everybody that is here, I'm going to try to give you as much value as possible in the shortest amount of time. Uh, but in order for me to do that, I do need your help. Uh, so I actually went ahead and created two presentations for this and I need to know which one interests you the most. Okay, so you let me know. You're going to put it in the chat. So if you want me to talk about how you can start a business and make your first $1,000, put number one in the chat. Just put it in the chat. Um, and yes, I'll be covering that. Your status doesn't actually matter because I did this when I didn't have DACA. Um, so put number one in the chat if that's what interests you. Now, if you want me to talk about, um, you know, independent contracting and how you can start that process today, put number two in the chat. Um, so let's just go ahead and just you let me know what I need to present on and and we'll go from there. I think uh, once I sort of get some feedback, uh, people will let me know. OK, so we see a few ones. We see some twos. OK, some. Uh, wow. Everybody wants. So you're, so you're, you're giving us options already. OK. Right. <laughs> OK. Great, great. Okay, so majority of the community wants to wants me to talk about independent contracting. Uh, well, interestingly enough, everybody, it actually doesn't matter. You know, I wanted to start getting engaged with you guys um, uh, very early. I know it's 12. It's probably around lunchtime. And I'm sure if you're already having classes, uh, you're pretty busy, right? So I wanted just to get that quick interaction. I'll be covering both, right? So I'll be covering how uh, independent contracting is actually a part of entrepreneurship and, and, and sort of connect that throughout my journey. And I'll be getting a little bit uh, more personal on that. Uh, so with that, I do want to tell you a little bit about what I've been able to accomplish. Um, you know, I did mention, you know, I started this as a, as a student, but, you know, so my company is called Prepare. And for the past two years, I have been on this mission of helping the undocumented community get more jobs. That's been my mission. That's the reason why I started it. Um, and I'll tell you a little bit more about, you know, some of the stuff, um, you know, that I've done uh, across the years. But I've been supported by a lot of organizations. You know, I've been supported by UC Berkeley, UCLA, the Consulate of Mexico. Um, and last year, my company, the Prepare with the Mission, uh, was one of the most investment-worthy startups, startups within the University of California system. And I got invited to this event uh, to try and raise $200,000 for this at an investor event. Um, didn't end up going last year because I think that, um, you know, I didn't have, I didn't have a concrete uh, way to sort of move forward. But I think this year I'm going to try to actually go and, uh, you know, sort of do, do that. Uh, on the other hand, I am also a part-time uh, content creator. So I pretty much document my journey on TikTok, on YouTube. Uh, I have over 5 million views across all the platforms. Um, and then here on the left, um, you know, I visited an investment firm that invested in Snapchat and Grubhub um, last year, and I got feedback from those investors on how I can sort of move forward with with this. Right. So that's a little bit about me. Um, like I mentioned, I'm from Mexico. I moved. Oh, well, I don't know if I mentioned this, but I was born in Mexico. I moved here when I was three because I had epilepsy. So I had epilepsy growing up and I took medication 
And then I think from there, um, you know, then fast forward, I went to UCLA and, and whatnot, right? So now without further ado, um, I do want to get into the fun part, which is how do you start a business, right? Uh, you're here because you want to learn how you can start a business regardless of your status. Um, and lucky for you, I actually simplified this in two easy steps. Like I, did, like I think uh, most oftentimes, you know, we overcomplicate what it means to start a business. Uh, but what is the first step? that you want to do. So can I get somebody in the, in the audience, you know, maybe you raise your hand or maybe you, you mute yourself. What do you think is the first step on uh, starting a business? What do you guys think? Anybody, there's no right or wrong. You guys let me know. It doesn't matter. It's whatever you guys think. People want, you know, folks can put that in the chat if they want to, they can yeah. meet themselves. Pretty old. Yeah. Yeah. Feel free. Yeah. Okay, somebody's, uh, Juan said, know what kind of business you are. Okay, Evelyn said, uh, you must have an idea, not to be too literal, but idea. Okay, awesome. Well, yeah, I mean, those are all great answers. Uh, I actually think, based on my experience, uh, the first step of, of doing any business or having any idea, it's actually, can you prove that it works? Like, can you prove that it works? Now, what do I mean by this? But proving that it works could mean, can you get survey of people that are interested in this? Can you interview people? Can you actually get paid for this, right? And that is the first step. And then I'll connect it on why that, that is the most important step. But uh, to demonstrate this, I want to show you my story on how I sort of went about this when I didn't have DACA um, as a student at UCLA in my, in my second year. So when I was 19 years old, you know, I fell under academic probation. Um, and I also failed one of my physics classes. And um, I needed to find a way to get $1,000 to retake that course during the summer. And like I mentioned, during that time, didn't have DACA, didn't know what I, how I was going to come up with money. So I had this challenge, right? How am I going to pay for my next class? How am I going to make $1,000? Didn't know how to do it, right? Now, the only thing that I did know how to do was take photos. I knew how to use a camera. I, I, I filmed, I used to film blogs in high school. Uh, you know, I used to take photos in high school, but I never started charging for it. But I knew that I was in a position where I needed to find a way to, to figure this out, right? But again... Um, I didn't know how I would start, didn't know who to contact. So what did I do? So I went to the Startup UCLA office and um, I told them about my situation. I booked an appointment and I was like, hey, I know how to take photos. This is my status. And, you know, usually people tell me, you know, when I didn't have DACA, they used to tell me, don't tell people your status, you know, you know, that. Um, and I think for me, I was always like, I always went against that because I felt like for me, I just needed the help at that time. Right. So I go to the center. And then she gives me a list of resources on there's legal office hours on campus for entrepreneurs. Uh, there's there's places where you can apply for grants for accelerator programs. Right. But uh, even though she gave me all these resources, the most interesting part about me speaking and, and reaching out was the fact that that same person that I had spoken to a month later sends me an email and she's like, hey, are you available to take photos of an, a student entrepreneurship event? Um, you know, and interesting, you know, she, she had barely met me um, and she knew my status. And, and then she popped a magic question through the email, which was, how much do you charge? Right. She asked me this magic question. I was like, honestly, I don't, I don't really know. Uh, but one of the things that I did prior to UCLA was I worked as a day laborer with my dad. Right. And when I worked as a day laborer with my dad, one of the things that I learned from him when he was negotiating his price is he's like, if you're trying to get a price, always um, give a higher price so you can then negotiate down to the price that, you know, potentially you can get. Um, so I faked it till I make it, you know, so they taught me how much do I charge? I said, I normally do this for $800, uh, but I can do this for $600, 
with the hopes of being able to negotiate down to $200. And uh, expected her to say no, uh, but she said yes. <laughs> so she said yes. She ended up hiring me. And the way that she paid me through this was through a scholarship. Because I didn't have DACA at the time, she gave me a scholarship, I went through the financial aid office, and then I got it as a reimbursement um, for the next quarter. And that's the way that they paid me when I didn't have DACA, right? And you can see here, it was a student entrepreneurship event, and um, I used to go as Maya Films Photo and Video at that time because I used to, you know, take photos and, and, and um, do like some freelance video editing. Uh, but I also want to be transparent and say that this event changed my life. Uh, and it changed my life not because... I made money. It changed my life because I was in a room of other students that were not like me. They weren't undocumented. They didn't look like me. Um, and the benefit of that is that when they went up there to pitch, they weren't thinking of how can I start a small business? How can I start this? They were thinking bigger, a thousand times bigger. They were thinking, how can I build the next Twitter? How can I build the next Facebook? How can I build the next uh, Instagram? Right. And I think for me, then I started asking myself, like, why can't I do this? Why can't my community think this way, right? And ever since then, you know, I got inspired. I got the motivation uh, to sort of go from event photography uh, to think of something bigger that can actually scale, that can actually, um, you know, get me more money. Now, the problem with event photography was that not a, not a lot of people needed that service. Nobody needs the event photography all the time. It's not something people need. It's sort of like... You know, maybe there's one or two events on campus, uh, but you're not going to be able to scale it. And I realized that early on. So then I asked myself a question on like, is there something within photography that I can personally like do more of? Um, and there's a bigger demand for it. Right. So I started asking myself that. Um, and then I went on LinkedIn and I was looking at the, the headshot photos of every student at UCLA. And I realized that most of them, their photos, they were taking it on their phone. And I was like, low quality as a photographer. I was like, low contrast and not enough good lighting. And I was like, oh, maybe I could do headshot photography. So that's what I did. That was my idea. I was like, maybe I could do headshot photography. Um, but again, didn't know how I was going to get started. I didn't know how I was going to make this step from, you know, this idea to how do I implement it to how do I start making money, right? So again, I asked myself this question, like, all right, I've proven that event photography works. Can I prove that this works, you know, on, on, on my own? Um, so that's what I did. And again, nobody knew who I was. <laughs> nobody knew I took photos. I didn't know what I was going to price it at. I didn't know how that whole procedure uh, looked like. So I wanted to find out. And the way that I found out was, you know what? I'm going to do it for free. I'm not even going to charge people. You know, I'm going to do a free event on campus. I'm going to be offering free headshots for any student that chooses to come. I have 20 spots available. You can book me. I'm going to be here certain days, certain times. Um, and then I remember I had 12 students to sign up. Six students actually ended up arriving to the shoot. And even though that day I made $0, I learned all these things. So I learned how I can deliver the photos, right? Uh, once you finish, how do you deliver it to your clients? How do you work with shy clients? Some people are not as comfortable in front of camera. Like, what do you tell them, right? How do you make them comfortable? I also learned what software I needed to use to book my clients, right? How to take the photos. What lenses do you use to get a good headshot so their so their face doesn't become distorted or, you know, because some, you know, some people, some lenses distort your face. Um, and I got real-time feedback of like these people. I took photos. How do I work with taller clients? How do I work with shorter clients, right? So like there was a lot of things that I learned through this and, um, I also learned how to host an event, kind of like this, you know, kind of like what I'm doing now, like, you know, doing this event, I did this with photography, um, 
right? So then once you sort of proven, once I had proven that there was a demand for this service, a hedge photography service, um, I wanted to show other people my work. I wanted to show others, you know, what I had done. Because again, my goal was to build a business off of this, right? So what did I do? Well, the second step is to build a portfolio. Your second step is to show other people credibility, testimonials, portfolio, etc. right? Uh, so I created an Adobe portfolio. I put on my, on my um, headshots there. But not only that, you know, at that time, I was also building this social media um, account with all my photography. I was getting around 700 likes, uh, 200 comments um, per post. And, um, you know, I used these two ways to start showing credibility, right? And then from there, once you've proven it and once you've sort of shown other people that you um, shown other people your work, then it's time for you to start getting paid for it, right? Can you actually find somebody to pay for this, right? So once I sort of did that, I launched this Instagram ad. So I was like, okay, I need to choose a channel. Um, you know, I need to use my credibility to sort of, um, you know, to get other students to get to know about this. And remember, like I, and you can see here that I priced my service at $15. I was like, you know what? Let's see if anyone is willing to pay me $15 and best the $60 on this ad. And uh, interestingly enough, my ad was actually targeted towards UCLA students, but a student at Cal State Northridge saw it and this was actually my first client and he was the one that was telling me like, hey, like, uh, yeah, can you come to Burbank? And I remember that day when I went, like, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to be doing this, but I needed the money. So I was like, I'm just going to go figure it out, set up my my camera. I took my tripod, figured everything out as I went. Right. Um, and then interestingly enough, I went from one client to two clients uh, and then from two clients to 64 clients uh, in a span of just a few months, right? So it was it was one of these things that, you know, to go from here to here, it was word of mouth, but to get this, in -ish, this initial like sort of momentum going of clients, I launched an Instagram ad, so I invested $60 and then eventually I made like $8,000. Um, and you can see here, like some screenshots, um, I would do headshots for $100, depending on like what type of student they were. You know, if they're grad students, I could potentially charge more. Uh, if they're undergrad, maybe $40 for, for only 15 minutes. Uh, but then I even got to the point where I was charging $700 for like a group of three or four people. Um, and that's that's ultimately how I sort of did this, right? So. What are some of the things that I learned through this? There were two big things that, that, that I learned from this. Uh, so number one is that I can charge more money if I can provide more value. For example, a real-time example of this is, okay, if you're going to go out and buy toilet paper, you don't buy just one roll, right? You buy a whole packet of them. And that's why they charge you whatever they charge you because there's a whole packet. Similarly, the, re the way that I charge $700 for a photo shoot, I said I'm going to do graduation photos for a group of four. I'll also include headshots for each student. I'll also include unlimited um, edit, edits, and I'll also include other, uh, other raw images so you can have it. And that was my package. That's how I went from charging $40 uh, to $700 in the same amount of time or even less time, right? Um, so that was lesson number one. Now, lesson number two was that I can reduce my costs uh, by focusing on one location, right? So I think initially when I launched the ad, I wanted to be at UCLA. I wanted to be at CSUN. I wanted to be at other uh, colleges. But one thing that I, th that I didn't think about at that time was like, okay, there's a travel cost associated to it. If you're going to be driving gas, right? Your food. So there's all these associated costs. And I was like, what if I just focus on UCLA, right? If I can just focus at UCLA, I'm already going to be there anyways. And um, those were two of the biggest things that, that, I, that I sort of learned, right? So going back 
to how you can start a business regardless of your status. Your step one is prove that it works, right? I showed you how I proved that it works. I found the demand. I showed other people and then I started marketing it and got people to pay me, right? So what comes after you sort of proven that you've worked, uh, you've proven that this idea sort of works, you figure out where you want to take this in the long term, right? What type of entrepreneur do you want to be? What type of business do you want to build, right? And there's actually four main ones, right? Maybe your goal is to build a small business that makes around 100000 to $40 million a year. Maybe right. that's your goal. Maybe you want to start a brick and mortar store down the line. Maybe you want to start an agency. Maybe you want to have a laundromat, a storefront, right? Maybe that's your goal. Or maybe you're more connected to a particular mission, right? And you want to do social good and you want to raise donations and you want to get sponsorships. Um, so maybe you, want, you might want to build a nonprofit, right? Maybe that's your goal, right? Or maybe you want to build the ne- you, you want to build the next Twitter, the next Snapchat, the next um, you know Facebook, and maybe you want to one day sell your company or sell stock down the line, right? So that's another thing that you can think about. Or maybe you're just like honestly, I don't want to think about all those things. Maybe you just want to start making five hundred dollars extra a month, right? Maybe you just want to start experimenting with this as an independent contractor, as a freelancer, um, right? So all of this is important because. Once you sort of figure out what entrepreneurship type you want to be, uh, you know, long term or what type of business you want to build long term, then this is the part where then it's easier for you to legalize it. Right now, what I mean by legalizing it, that's when you go ahead and choose your business structure. Right. That's when you go ahead and decide whether you want to be a sole proprietor or you want to build a partnership with a friend or you want to do an LLC or a corporation. Right. So. Uh, like I go into this, uh, I won't go into this like, like concrete, but what I can tell you, I'll give you a quick overview. So a sober proprietorship, you're pretty much a one person business. You work on your own, you use your name, you use your tax ID, uh, but there's no protection, right? There's no protection from you. Now a partnership is similar to a sober proprietorship, but now you're working with a friend and you want to start a business together and now you're sharing profits with somebody that, you know, is your partner potentially, right? So sober proprietorship is on your own. All you need is a tax ID, an independent contractor agreement, maybe your licenses, but you can use your name. Partnership, it's you and a buddy. And again, you must have like a tax ID, uh, etc. Then there's a corporation. Right. And the third one is a corporation. Now, the corporation is honestly a little bit interesting because you're ultimately creating a, uh, like a different person. But the way that I explain a corporation is uh, with a cake. So imagine your corporation is a cake and, you know, in the cake, when you cut it, you can cut it up into a lot of pieces. So in a corporation, you can cut up your corporation into millions of pieces and they're called stock. And that stock, you can then sell it to investors to invest in you. That's how people raise money. Or you can then use that to go public uh, in the stock market, right? So that's how a corporation looks like. So if you're looking to sort of sell your company, you might want to consider that. And then a limited liability company um, is is like a bridge between a sober proprietorship and a corporation uh, in a sense that, you know, it gives you the protection like a corporation, uh, but also, um, you know, it provides, uh, you could do it with one person, you could do it with more people, and you could, you could um, sort of uh, change the different shareholders on who, who owns the LLC, uh, et cetera, right? So those are like the four main ones, sole proprietorship. Think of it as a one-person business, yourself, my name, tax ID, maybe contractor agreements, um, and that's how you set it up. Partnership is two or more people, right? LLC is like a bridge between, and then corporation is like a cake. You can sell pieces of it to investors to raise money or to sell your company, 
right? Now, why is this important and why do I bring this up? Because it's connected, right? It's connected, right? So if you want to do, if you want to just start freelancing or you want to start independent contracting, well, you might just start with your name. You might just start with your name, your tax ID. You don't have to think about all the costs. That's what I did. You know, when I did headshots, uh, when I started doing headshots as a student, I did it under my name. You know, it wasn't something that like I thought about it too much. Um, and that's the fastest way to start. Obviously, if you want to scale, you want to hire other people, you might then think about maybe I want to do an LLC. Maybe I want to have more protection. Right. And then similarly, like if you want to build a startup, like I mentioned, you sell stock, you sell pieces of it. And that's why that's where you might think of a corporation um, or maybe a nonprofit. Right. 501c3. You hear this term if you if you see it throughout nonprofits. Right. And that's why it's important. Right. So, again, once you sort of figure out where you want to be, then you think about what business structure you want to set up, because this is more of a long term thing. If you're just like testing it, you haven't tested, you haven't gotten money, then maybe it's not worth, you know, sort of doing this. Um, and then you sort of decide there. And obviously there's more like legal terms to it. There's more things to to talk about. Right. But um, but like, I guess in the grand scope of things, you know, for the basics, this is enough for you to sort of get started. Right. Now, suppose you want to start independent contracting tomorrow. Let's say you're somebody in the audience and you're like, you know what? You know, I got it. I want to start freelancing. I have this uh, idea. What do you guys think is the first step that you need to take? What do you guys think is, is the first step that you need to take? So the first step that you need to take is uh, you got to understand what an independent contractor is. Um, so can I actually get somebody in the chat? Maybe tell me, what do you guys think an independent contractor is? And then I'll give you my definition, but I want to hear from, from anybody in the audience. If there's anybody out there <laughs> or you can, yeah. uh, unmute as well. <laughs> yeah. Feel free to mute yourself before we include that in the chat. So mm -hmm. again, you want us to ask or just, just to respond like, what is an independent contractor? Who are they? What do they do? Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just a quick, what do, what do you, like, what do people know about it, right? Like, what is the definition? Since a lot of people were interested in that, in that topic, right? Um, about independent contracting. Or what have you heard, you know? <laughs> well, I guess I can say that is you, you provide a service, but you don't pay, uh, like, you don't get paid for that service until you deliver the service. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Thank you, Carmen. Anybody else? So we have a chat. Uh, Luis says that you're not really an employee. You're just someone who collaborates with the business through a specific contract or agreement. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. No, I mean, all of those are, are correct, right? Yeah, like they're not employees. Um, they work through a contract. Um, my definition of what an independent contractor is, is it's simple. It's an independent business owner. Uh, you're a business owner, um, and not just any business owner, it's a business owner that has these things. You have control, right? The key here is you have control. You have control over the location of where you work. Okay. So you, you can work at a coffee shop. You can work at home. You, you could work, you go to New York, you work in New York. You also have control over how much you get paid and when you get paid, right? How much are you going to charge for your service? Uh, when are you going to get paid, right? Third thing, uh, you have control over how many clients you have, right? As an employee, you only work with one employer. You can't really work with multiple people at one time. But if you're a business owner, ah, you could take on three contracts, four contracts, five contracts a, a day, right? Or how many, uh, how many more you, you can take on. And then lastly, you also have control over your time right? The most important thing, like you don't have to work nine to five. You 
most of the time it's just a project. You have to fulfill it by a certain date or a deadline. But you don't have to work. Like if you if you want to work only Mondays, you can work Mondays if you want. Like you don't have to be there nine to five. And and like I mentioned, um, these are the four things that you need to control. Now I didn't come up with these. You know, these are actually tests uh, by certain departments in the U.S. called the control test, the ABC test, and the economic realities test. And these are the tests that sort of um, actually determine whether you are or you are not an independent contractor, right? Now, what do I mean by this? Well, you know, um, I hear it a lot in the community where like people get hired through a W-9, they give an I-10 and now they're like, oh, I'm an independent contractor. But that's not how it works because you can see, you can, like I've seen it where you can get hired through a W-9, provide your I-10, but you're still an employee where you don't have control over the other stuff. You're, it's kind of like you're an independent contractor disguised. No, you're an employee disguised as an independent contractor, right? So uh, just know that, you know, um, this normally like these tests are done towards employers, not necessarily towards you as the contractor It's more for the employers that, that choose to hire you or the clients. Right. So it's important to sort of look into these. Um, and I will provide access to, to, you know, to the slides. So you guys can look into this, um, you know, the control test, the ABC test, um, right after, because it, it also determines on the industry, it determines the type of work you do, but just know that as a contractor, you have control. That, that's the biggest thing you got to take away from this, right? Now, how do you get hired as an independent contractor? Five easy steps. Step one, choose a service and prove that it works. I talked about that uh, really early on, you know, through my story. Step two, you get licenses and permits if you do need them. In certain industries, you don't really need any other licenses, like maybe graphic design, maybe photography. I didn't need anything else. Um, step three, choose a price for your service. How much are you going to charge? Step four, Set up your payments. Are you going to get paid through check, PayPal, uh, Zelle, uh, Stripe, and then write an independent contractor agreement so you know what are the things that you're going to do. And then step five, you know, when they ask you to, to fill out a W-9 form, that's just a request for your tax ID number. So this is where you can use an I-10, an SSN, or an EIN, whichever one you choose to do, right? So uh, those are the quick five steps to, you know, to get hired as an independent contractor, um, and obviously, and one thing that I also want to bring back is you can be an independent contractor as an LLC. You can be an independent contractor as a C corporation. You can be an independent contractor as a nonprofit, right? So again, um, the, an independent contractor is just somebody that can control all the variables, right? When they get paid, location, etc. right? Now, bringing it back together on how you can start a business, the two steps are simple. Step one, prove that it works. Step two, set up the legal aspects, right? Now, why am I choosing to sort of do this? And why did I choose to sort of come on here, tell you a little bit of my story, tell you about how you can start a business? Well, in my last year at UCLA, I actually landed this internship in marketing, but because I didn't have DACA, I wasn't able to get hired, right? So since then, for the past two years, I've been trying to find a solution, like I mentioned, to help the community get more jobs. And today I wanna to share with you my vision on how I believe I, we can accomplish this, but I can't do this alone, right? So my vision is that when, uh, when I take a look at my mission, I, I look at like my past, right? I told you the first opportunity I ever got was from my father. He's a day laborer. He's also in a similar situation undocumented. He was the one that gave me my first opportunity, right? He was the one that hired me, right? So now my belief is that if we can help the next generation of undocumented entrepreneurs, a percentage of them 
will get to the point where they would scale their business. And what happens when you scale a business? Well, you provide jobs, right? You provide jobs, you make it accessible, and you do it at a bigger scale. And there's a lot of there's a lot more of us that can get there, right? Maybe there's freelancers here and then there's business owners here and then you can connect them, right? So that's ultimately my vision uh, with the company and with what I'm doing.